You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 24, Final Moves. Washington, May 17th, 1884. Catherine Holloway sat in her office, the tiny hairs on the back of her neck prickling. She pressed the button on her intercom. Jester. Yes, Director? In the past, I've occasionally put up a do not disturb notice to you, which you've professionally maintained. Yes, ma'am. I'm asking you now, with the best will in the world, if you hear back from any of our teams out there tonight, with news of a recovery, of a sighting, of a kill, or any leads they might find as to the current whereabouts of Mr. White, I want you to feel like you can absolutely disturb me with that information. Yes, ma'am. There's still no word in the positive from any of them. Okay, fine. Thank you, Chester. I'll... I'll be here if you need to check up on anything. Much appreciated, Chester. She rose to her feet and turned to the window. Night had fallen, and all was still out there. She crossed to the closet and retrieved Preston Beauregard's Sharp's military carbine. Up on the wall was a loaded Winchester, and strapped under the desk, a 44 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. But this was the rifle she had guarded Weirwood with. Everyone she had needed to see off or take out to protect her charges had faced her while she held this gun. Catherine gripped it and tried to assuage her feeling that something inescapable was coming. In their unicorn office, Jeremy Pines and Donald McTavish were working late, back to back. The snapping of keys from a pair of new typewriters abated as first one, then the other, paused. The electric lights flickered above. In the hangar, Harry stood before her shadow tiger armor, a toolbox at her feet. Tesla sat to one side, ready to commence helping her dismantle the suit. But she had to loosen the first bolt, and right now she was unable. Harry had just remembered that she had last seen Master Yagyu two days ago, wishing her luck on her self-imposed mission of apprehension. Was he still in autumn? Could she go and fetch him? Was it acceptable to walk those streets one last time, if she had a valid reason? Had. He. Known. The lights flickered. Harry inclined her head, listening over the humming sounds of electrical coils. Something was there. All the way over at the front gate, guardhouse Captain Harris peered out into the night, certain he'd heard approaching hooves a while back. He turned and motioned to his three companions, raising a finger to his lips and then tapping his ear. White appeared in front of him and there was a blinding flash. All four men hit the deck. White and Silent Company remounted their horses, hooves muffled with soft cloth, and galloped down the approach to the front doors of Langley. Two dozen men and women in dark tactical clothing 
dismounted, each carrying an ornate, rifle-like weapon with unseen, shrouded crystals glowing at their cores. They took the front hall swiftly. Langley staff were not given time to call for backup. White marched through the hallways, his eyes dead ahead, flanked on both sides and leading this long procession to their destination. Catherine heard this just as all the lights went out. The generators. She breathed and pressed the intercom button. Chester, come in. There was no response. Their communication was hooked into the electricity. Gripping her carbine, Catherine opened the door to her office and peered down the shadowy hallway. Come on, the backup would have kicked in by now. The light did not return. And as the emergency shutters came slamming down all around the complex, she could now hear footfalls and muffled cries. He's here. Catherine bolted along the hall to her right, her feet sidestepping as she checked around each corner, making her way by memory towards the vault and the wind door. She stopped at a metal shutter and fished from her pocket a small crank handle, finding its socket with her hand in the dark. Working the mechanism, enough to allow her a few feet to squeeze under, she locked it in place. The next hall was equally foreboding, but she could definitely hear approach from the northern passage. White presumably still had access to a similar crank key, but he would have to open each shutter high enough to get his squad through swiftly. That, in itself, could buy her a few extra minutes. It might be enough. Catherine sprinted to the next shutter and dearly wished she had Abigail and James with her now. The last doorway to the vault was almost in sight. White was now far ahead of the tail end of his infiltrating dragon. Stone Company had retaliated and returned fire, and three of his were dead. It did not matter. The plan proceeded. They were nearly in autumn. Catherine entered the vestibule chamber with the vault on her right. She called over to the two guards. We've been breached. Close the vault door. Yes, yes ma'am. Once it's firmly locked, I'm going to change the combination. Over to her left, she heard footsteps in the corridor at the far end. Sprinting across, she twisted the entry hatch handle, bracing it with a fire axe from the wall. She heard a thump on the other side. Someone was straining to open it up. Director! Catherine turned to head down to the vault door, which was being slowly pushed closed as she ran. The world exploded around her as the hatch she had secured was blown off its hinges. The shockwave sent Catherine tumbling to the hard floor as she heard figures entering the vestibule. She rolled and raced towards the vault, grasping her rifle for the final defense. Just let it close in time, let the handle be turned, get her to the combination lock. She prayed the darkness was swallowing her up, obscuring her from view. There was a sound like ripping silk. Catherine felt a sudden burst of pressure, as though she'd collided with a stagecoach at full pelt. She was thrown forwards as white light filled her eyes. Numbness spread over her twitching form, unable to move. Unable to speak, she could barely see. The director lay on her side as White stepped over to her and paused. 
Bolts of light impacted on the vault guards before they could crank the handle, and Silent Company shoved their bodies aside and opened the doorway back up. White knelt beside her. For what it's worth, he said solemnly, even if these actions of mine seem extreme at this moment, in later years you will think back on me and understand why I did what I have to do. I truly hope by then it will be in an America that has itself under control. A pale figure was standing in the vault doorway. She had the pointed ears of an Elaine and she could now just make out Catherine in the darkness. And beside her, rising up, white. Penny opened her mouth to speak, only to be hit with a blinding force, sending her sprawling back into the vault. Get the girl out of there, White called. Penny was carried over to where Catherine lay and deposited on the tiled floor. The remaining 21 members of Silent Company trooped through the steel aperture and onward into autumn. The last thing White did was seal up the vault behind him as a spell of silence settled upon the immobilized and defeated final bastion of the National Intelligence Agency. You have been listening to episode 24 of Stone Spring Maidens, Final Moves, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Catherine Holloway, performed by Maya Santandrea. Chester, performed by Dan Mayer. Wind Door Guards, performed by Greg Downing and Toby Jungius. Penthesily Renwick, performed by Theo Lee. Mr. White and Narration, performed by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Attic, composed and performed by Ross Bugden. Suspenseful Chase and Dark Conspiracy Theories, performed by Feslian Studios. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest, Panther Soul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our top tier sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, 
Tim Wazenski, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, and Valencia Burns. If you can't support us on Patreon, but would like to contribute to this show, then a review on iTunes, or of one of the books on Amazon, would absolutely help us move forward. It takes five minutes, and it means the world.